Well, tonight I want us to think of these verses from Colossians that we read together. I've already shared with you on a couple of occasions the earlier chapters. Remember these were believers of this town of Colossae. Paul was writing to them from prison. He'd never been there. He'd never spoken to them as such. He was conveying to them the concerns of his heart, having had reports, of course, of their situation. We find that these believers in this town had heard the gospel truth. The message of the gospel had reached them. They'd had this privilege and opportunity of hearing of Jesus Christ, the Saviour. They'd heard that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, whether they be Jew or Gentile. The message had come. Thank God tonight that we have heard the message of the gospel. They had gone further. They had embraced the message of the gospel and they had experienced saving faith in Jesus Christ. They had come to a point where they repented of their sin and they turned in living faith to Jesus Christ and found salvation in him. They had heard of the cross of Jesus. They had heard of the crucified one who came to die for them. And as the old hymn says, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. The experience was theirs. And now they were faithful or seeking to be faithful disciples of Christ. The Apostle Paul was seeking to help them in this endeavour to steer them, to guide them, to warn them, to encourage them as necessary, to become more and more faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we are to pick up the message. I've headed our first few verses Identify the way of truth. Truth surely is something to be declared, something to be defended, and something to be demonstrated. And Paul brings out here a strong contrast. A contrast between what we would call religion 
human religion on the one hand and reality, relationship, divine work on the other hand. As we have mentioned before, he was constantly trying to warn them of dangers, of heresy that was creeping in amongst the people. And here we have emphasis on those who were concerned about rules, doing things according to rules, regulations, rituals, all tied up in tradition, superstition, and works. Rules about diet, regulations about days, and ritual concerning duties. Duties which to some of them involve the worship of angels, the display of false humility, of human directives one way or another. And of course, in the course of history, there have been many, many religions. They all seem to come from this stem. They are humanly projected. He says, don't get involved at that level. There's something more, there's something better, there's something bigger than all that. That's the shadow. The substance is something else. The substance is Jesus Christ, if you want reality. Remember, Jesus said this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And the message of Jesus Christ is not so much a matter of rules, regulations, and ritual but rather a relationship to him. As many as received him, to those that believed upon his name, he gave the light to become sons of God. Such a vital living relationship. Those who get to this stage of experience, a knowledge of Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Saviour, can well sing, Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. 
not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. And it's only a relationship with the Lord Jesus that can lead you to that glorious experience. The reality of all this is that there is the head, Jesus Christ, and there is the body, believers in him, And note that every one of those believers has an equal status before him. Distinctions of race and background, rank and gender disappear in the final analysis. All believers classify as sinners saved by grace. And that is how we stand. These believers, of course, are chosen. They are holy. They are loved. And they are forgiven. So we say, Christ died for us. That is substitution. But then we find that we died with Christ. That is identification. And these are two towers of Christian experience. Jesus died for us. We died with him. Taken from his own words, we lose the life we had to find a new life in him. Then shall we think for a while about living this new life that Christ brings to us. Some of the pivotal points in the life of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. These all stand out dramatically for us. Now the scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. And these aspects also become part of the story of our Christian pilgrimage. Because the scriptures tell us that we died in Christ. There's a point where the past comes to a stop. 
We are buried, buried with him in baptism. New life begins after that, but we are buried so that the past is put aside. Things have changed. Then there's the resurrection life that we share with him. New life. The life of God within the soul. Of course, the ascension speaks of the glory which is to be. For by and by, the trumpet will sound. Body and soul rejoined. As we meet the Lord in the air. Now Paul goes into detail about what it means for the old to be replaced by the new. And some of this is very detailed. It isn't the sort of thing that you can stand back and say, oh, well, that's just a general summary, because he goes into specific detail on some of these points, the nitty-gritty, as it were, as we go through some of what he's talking about. He's talking about the old life that should be finished and gone, that should be no part of the believer's walk day by day. It should be put off. You've been out gardening and got pretty dirty. You come inside and you put off the old things. You put on something better for what next you're going to do. There's an illustration of this, of course, in the story of Lazarus. How that God through Christ, raised him out of that tomb. And as Jesus was stood there, he said, take off the grave clothes, set him free. The grave clothes may have fitted in the tomb, but they had no place in what was to happen next in that man's life. They needed to be discarded and put away. So Paul goes into some details as to the sort of things which should not be seen or known amongst believers. Things to put off, to avoid, to treat or reckon as dead. They are the marks of the old nature. So, sexual wrongs are mentioned. Impurity, passion, immorality. We know that when Jesus was here on earth, He talked about a sinful 
and adulterous generation. One wonders what description could be given of our generation from that point of view. Then he talks about covetous thoughts, evil desires, greed, no part of our walk with Jesus. Then I mentioned bad attitudes, detailed as anger, anger that pent up inside, rage, that explosive reaction, malice, that intention to get revenge. And he speaks about evil speaking, slander, bad language, dishonesty, untruthful speech. Put them aside. Treat them as dead. Two boys were having a game of cricket. One ball to the other, hit him, whether he'd pads on or not, I don't know, but hit him on the legs and shouted, how's that LBW? Well, if you know anything about cricket, you'll appreciate perhaps one of the most controversial decisions is the decision of LBW. Are you out? Are you in before? in front of the wicket, would it have hit the wicket anyway, and so on. He said, you're out to his pal, and his pal said, no, I'm not. Not out. And on this argument goes, it goes on for a while. And as arguments go, they get more heated, more difficult, and one accuses the other, the accuses the other back, Lush, foolish words are spoken. They say things they shouldn't say. And dad is listening to what's happening. So he intervenes after a while. He said you were saying things that you ought not to say. That is not good. He said, go and bring me a tube of toothpaste. So he did. Gave it to his father. His father took the top off, squeezed it, and out came some toothpaste. Now, my boy, Put it back where it came from. And as you appreciate, the boy hadn't a hope of doing so. Be careful 
said his father, once you've said it, it's gone. Be careful what you do. So that's the negative side. Old, put it off, cast it aside. The new, to take its place, to be there instead, put it on. Now perhaps as Lazarus had to throw away the grave clothes, so as we put on the new garments, I suggest they should be white. That's actually the colour that the Church of Laodicea were told to get. White. Speaks of purity in clothes. Put that on. Treat these things as alive. For rather, as the other were marks of the old nature, these are fruit of the Spirit. Let them show forth, and we have them named. Compassion. Give me a compassionate heart. A heart that feels for others. Give me kindness, humility. Give me gentleness, tender spirit. Give me patience. Give me forbearance. When I'm not getting as where quickly as I want to do with someone else, give me forbearance and keep me going. And a difficult one. Give me forgiveness. That you might forgive others that do wrong to you. We say that's hard. And there are situations in life where it is desperately hard. But there's an extra part to this. We might argue and get reasons for doing what we're doing. But then the verse says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Do you not agree? Once that sentence is spoken, all arguments disappear. As he has forgiven you all your sin, and you're asked to forgive another. And all this has to be encompassed with love. For it includes them all. It binds them all together in a complete package. It is, of course, the finishing touch. Just stand back a moment. We all live in this world in which we are. 
and the world observes us. I think you'll agree that people in the world have a pretty good idea of what they expect from a Christian. They don't practice it. They don't like them to hold to it. But they seem to know what they ought to see. Or if we've got it wrong, they seem to know that too. Ask yourself, ask each one, if onlookers are gazing at us and see us and know these standards that we've been thinking about, when they see the life, are they impressed by what they see? Or are they perplexed by what they see? Because somehow it doesn't fit together. An old hymn. Oh, for a life to please my God in every little thing. A holy life that day by day to him will glory bring. Jesus, complete thy work in me, the work thou hast begun. Each day may I grow more like thee until my race is run. A quick thought. Christ in the believer. Our final thoughts. There are three aspects of this. It speaks about the peace of Christ, verses 15 to 17. The peace of Christ, let that dwell in you. My peace I give, said Jesus to you. It will produce a lightness in your thinking. It can rule your heart and stabilize your life and give you a solid, assured walk with Christ. It affects your relationship as part of the body. We are called to peace. Then it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, literally. The word of Christ. It educates us, it enlightens us, it enriches us. And as we read it day by day, all this will work out in our life. We will be given wisdom, wisdom which enables us to minister to each other. This isn't the preacher to the congregation. This is each individual ministering to another. And it leads to worship, singing. Hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, praising God, expressing gratitude to him. And the third aspect is to have the name of Jesus. To be under his banner, accept his name. Have you thought of the immense privilege 
to be under the name of Jesus. Yet what responsibility falls that way? Expeats of authority. We're his representative. We go at his bidding. It speaks of actions. Detailed here as words and deeds. And as we think of these, can I just suggest, it is possible that words can nullify actions, that actions can render words meaningless. That's because they're contradictory one to the other. But words and deeds together, consistently, these glorify God. Take the name of Jesus with you. Child of sorrow and of woe, it will joy and comfort give you. Take it then, where there you go. Amen.